Welcome to the Unbecoming Conversations podcast, a self-development podcast for women on a journey to who they are meant to be. I'm your host, Adia Rogers. I'm a 40 plus year old woman raised in the South, currently splitting my time between the Mile High City and my hometown. Over the course of the last five years, I transitioned to self-employment, moved halfway across the country, and had to build a separate support system in a city where I only knew one person. Building a life that I love means navigating transitions and change and overcoming challenges. In this podcast, we'll talk about the elements and strategies I've used over the past half decade to help me navigate change, manage and eliminate negative self-talk and anxiety while still living a purposeful life. We'll have conversations about doing the inner work to show up authentically in your own life as well as for others. These conversations will provoke us to do what is necessary and seek the guidance it takes to unbecome what we should be in order to become what we are meant to be. Get comfy and let's chat on this episode of the Unbecoming Conversations podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Unbecoming Conversations podcast. I am your host, Adia Rogers. And yes, for those of you that listen regularly, it has been a minute since I have uploaded an episode and I do apologize for that again. A lot has been happening. We will unpack that and talk about that in a future episode, probably like three or four episodes from now. So stay tuned for that. You will find out about what life has been like during this summer. It was a hot summer, but not a hot girl summer. And that's all I'm going to say right now. I'm very excited about today's episode. So I won't be before you very long. You know, I usually kick off each episode with what has been awesome and awkward since I last recorded. There has been a whole lot of both. In brief, what has been awesome is getting to spend time with people that I love and celebrating milestones and the people that I care about most lives, uh, including my parents celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, my dad celebrating his 76th birthday, my dear friends, one of which we're getting ready to talk to in this episode, celebrating his birthday just a couple of weeks ago. So there has been just a lot of opportunity for celebration, which for me also brings about reflection. And I welcome those opportunities because usually for me, where reflection leads me to is gratitude. And even with all of the awkwardness and the awkward things that have been happening, I am grateful, like just so truly grateful. So some of the awkward things that have been happening is really, it's not really awkward, but I guess it is because growth and transition and change and healing and reflection, all of that is just a big ball of awkwardness sometimes because you're having to deal with feelings and thoughts and emotions. You have big and little epiphanies and you realize patterns that maybe you never realized before in your life. And again, I'll talk about that more in a future episode. But honestly, it has been awkward in that sense. And I think I have (laughs) been like 
low-key self-conscious thinking like do people see this like do people see like I'm awkward like do they see that you know I've realized something and now all of a sudden I'm looking and acting funny which I try not to be but I'm super aware of some things now super aware of how I show up in certain spaces again I'll talk about that later (laughs) But uh, that's kind of what the last few weeks, months or so have been like, just living life, analyzing and reflecting on it and trying to (laughs) get through it the best way that I can and having some fun in between. I went to Nashville a couple of weeks ago to hang out with and work with Terrell Martin and C2 Mass Choir, which is actually who we're talking to in this episode. We're talking to Pastor Terrell Martin. Let me tell you, Nashville and that weekend owes me nothing. It was amazing. I had such a good time. And being around people that you love and that love on you is probably some of the best medicine, balm, healing balm, like Neosporin, just recovery, occupational physical therapy that you could ever, ever have. And so that did just wonders for my my heart and soul and spirit. So without further ado, this episode is bomb. This episode is great. You will laugh. There are just kind of just so many wisdom nuggets that my friend uh, Terrell Martin shares in this episode. I want you to, one, take time and listen to it, like concentrate on this episode. I know sometimes we can multitask, but I really also want you to really pay attention because his story, his testimony the nuggets that he drops, I promise you, will be something that you can apply to your life as soon as you hit stop after this episode is done. And I feel like you will be inspired, you'll be informed, and I definitely want you to follow Terrell Martin and C2 Mass Choir. I want you to listen to and stream all of our music. And I say our, I don't sing in the choir. I serve as the operations manager And it has been a labor of love and something that I absolutely have adored working on for the past year and a couple months. And God has just profoundly blessed us. You'll hear that throughout this and you'll see that it is just a continuation of the fulfillment of purpose on my friend Terrell Martin's life. So sit back, relax, grab something to eat and drink and enjoy this episode, this conversation of the Unbecoming Conversations podcast with my friend, Pastor Terrell Martin. Today's episode of the Unbecoming Conversations podcast is brought to you by Terrell Martin and the C2 Mass Choir and their latest single, Shine On Me, which you hear playing in the background. If you know me, you know I love good music and great singing, and you will absolutely get both in this reimagined throwback. If this song sounds familiar, it was first written and recorded by Andre Crouch. It was made even more popular by Vanessa Bell Armstrong and was the opening song for the hit show Amen. My friend Pastor Terrell Martin recorded this song with the C2 Mass Choir with help from the amazing lead vocalist Sarah Mabry and y'all. It is banging. The C2 Mass Choir is a professional community-based choir that is the reimagined extension of the award-winning Colorado Mass Choir from back in the day. For the past year, I have had the awesome privilege of working behind the scenes with Pastor Terrell and C2. They have an amazing group of talented, anointed singers 
whose purpose is to use their gifts to provide inspiration to all of us who need it. And Lord knows we need it, don't we? You absolutely have to go to your favorite streaming platform and follow Terrell Martin and C2 Mass Choir and download both of our singles, our first one, So Amazing, and our latest, Shine On Me. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of the Unbecoming Conversations podcast. I am your host, Adia Rogers. This is something a little bit different. I typically don't do video a whole lot, but I have an extremely special guest today, so video was absolutely necessary. Y'all, this is one of the conversations, one of a handful of conversations that I really cannot wait for you to hear because it's with one of my favorite people of all times. We're going to have a great conversation. You're going to ear hustle a little bit on how our friendship works and the amazing things that he has going on in his life and just get a sneak peek behind the awesome person that I get the privilege to do life with on a daily basis. I'm going to introduce to you all Pastor Terrell Martin. So I'm going to read the first paragraph of his bio, and then I'm going to let him take it from there by telling us a little bit more about his background. Because I think this is so true based on what I know about him. If ever there was a person who embodied music is in his blood, it's musician and producer Terrell Martin. Terrell's musical journey began at the tender age of three years old when he sat down at his first drum set. So then that's where I want you to pick up from. (laughs) (laughs) Decades of practice, dedication, and favor have given the world a musical creative noted for his smooth and banging beats on the drums and in the studio. So y'all, I am introducing to some and presenting to others, my friend, Terrell Martin. Hey! <laughs> so excited about this conversation. It's going to be so awesome. So, as I said, I want you to pick up from the tender age of three. You're sitting down at the drums for the first time. Yeah. Tell us about yourself, your background, how you grew up, where you grew up. Tell us all the things. For sure, man. First of all, it's just an honor to be on this show, man. This is great. Thank you so much for this great opportunity to be a part of your vision and your ministry. Um, Man, I don't take that for granted at all. You could have chose anybody else, so thank you for choosing me. Thank you, Lord. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, so, you know, growing up, you know, it was five boys, one girl. My sister's the youngest. All of us is into music. Um, Both of my parents are into music. Mother's song, write, wrote plays, all, all that stuff and directed choirs. And so did my dad do the same thing. He played drums, piano, my mom played piano. And so all of that kind of came down to us. And so me and my older brother, and actually all of us play drums in some type of way, but me and my older brother, we were kind of, Jason, we kind of took it um, more professionally, if you will. Um, But uh, yeah, I started playing drums, learned after my dad, um, who was a beast on drums in his day. And uh, and I started playing at three. I mean, I pretty much started you know, knew, you know, God sometimes blesses some of us with gifts and you just already know when you're a baby what it is um, or it's just implanted in you. So um, that was one thing. Music was just in all of us since before we were born, I'm sure. And um, and so I started doing drums, but I was too too little. You know, I'm, I'm really tall right now, but back then I was too little. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Little. You are a giant in the eyes of God. Absolutely. <laughs> right, right. Being, uh, I couldn't really reach the pedals and stuff. So my dad was like, "Well, whenever you get older, we'll let you start playing at services." So I'd never played at services. I would just sit behind my brother and my dad, 
and whoever I could get behind and just watch them and play in the air like a little kid, you know. But when my dad went to the church to study for his messages every week, I would go with him so I can practice by myself. And that just ran into and it finally let me start playing. And, you know, I remember I started touring at the age of 11 and uh, my mom would come with me uh, at a church that we was a part of our bishop bishop hamilton down in uh monterey california and uh we did an east coast tour and uh it was it was lots of fun that was my first time and and to go to new york and your first tour at such a young age was very weird (laughs) but but it was cool it it actually prepared me and i didn't know at the time because i was so young for what I was actually going to do, which is what I do now, which is tour with uh, artists, any genre, you know, and I'm able to see the world and and some of it's very crazy, you know, but it prepared me for that that lifestyle, you know, so yeah, that's basically how I grew up, just all music. So touring since 11. Yeah. (laughs) That is bananas. That's how, what kicked off your professional career, like that that tour, because the names of the people that you've worked with, played for, toured with is literally like Stellar's Grammy who's who list of musicians that people know and love. So how did it kind of just develop from there? Was it just opportunities or you're saying yes when you were afraid? Like, what did that look like for you after age so- 11? So there's like two stages to this. I was actually just talking about this with a friend this morning. So um, the first part was, um, you know, me growing up and playing, it was all gospel music, but I never felt really fulfilled. I didn't know what it was. And, and to be honest with you, I was a basketball player too. Um, and, I did hear that. I did hear you were also an athlete <laughs> as well. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so there came a time and we was all city, all state and national. So uh, it was, I, I felt like I was actually pretty pretty good at basketball like I really wanted to make that my thing but it came to a point to where God said all right you have to choose one one of these you're gonna have to put all your time in and the other one just has to be kind of like a hobby type you know whatever you like to do from time to time mm-hmm. and, and at that time I I'm sure I chose the right what God wanted me to choose which was being a musician and, and put the basketball on the back burner sometimes I miss it but I do know that I made the right choice but that the first part of it was I, when I made that decision, I remember sitting in our living room, <clears throat> my mom and my twin brother, Timothy, was a part of Colorado Mass Choir. And they did a concert with Fred Hammond, and, um, and which was at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, which was the first televised gospel concert, especially and, and I think the first gospel concert at MGM like that. And, and it was major. And it came on TV. So there was two concerts that came on at the same time. It was that one. And then Kurt Franklin, he did a huge first gospel artist to sell out a um, stadium. And I think he did it in Baltimore, the one in C and back in those days. And it was sold out. And it was the dopest concert. But both concerts came on at the same time. And we were all in the living room watching this recording. I never, I'll never forget. And when it came on, that's when I heard God speak to me. And was like, that's you. That's going to be you. And I was watching both concerts. And I, I didn't go to use the bathroom or nothing. I, I was like, no I snacks. Even. I stayed glued on the whole show, on the drummer. Every time they showed them. I mean, I was on it. And I never forget that night. That night while I was watching, 
I prayed to God <clears throat> and my grandfather's pastor, my dad's pastor, everybody in my family pastors, right? And my grandfather would always say, whenever you pray, be very specific with what you want from God because you just might get it, right? And so I was very specific. I said, all right, God, this is what I want, right? And, and I want to be touring. I want to be playing in stadiums. I want to be playing for major artists and all that stuff. And But what I did is from that night on, you, you know, most of us will pray for something, but we don't put action behind it. And I, and I always felt like God can never take you where your character can't keep you. I always knew that I had to make sure that I <clears throat> knew the part in order to even expect God for me to even take me to, to that, to that level. And so what I started doing from that day on is I said, since I'm not working because I was young, I was in school, then like a regular job, I'm going to practice. I'm going to, since I want this to be my regular job, that's how I'm going to use it right now. So for eight hours a day after school, I practiced. And all I did was either watch videos of famous drummers, watch how they move, watch how they interact, watch how they play, watch how they approach, watch their interaction with the artists everything. And, and, and I would just practice, 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 practice for eight hours a day. And that very same day is crazy. The very same day, a year after that is when I got called to do my first tour. And I've been touring ever since that day till now. Oh, sir, I had no idea that that was going to be your answer. Okay. Like, I feel like <laughs> I know part of your story, but that right there, first of all, there's a lot to unpack there. So right, I have right. to take a detour. <sighs> the fact that you just had that assurance that this is what you were supposed to do and you were going to take it seriously. Like, mm -hmm. I think a lot of us maybe have the first part, like we know we may have an idea or an inkling or know what God is calling us to do, but how seriously do we take it? Do we actually put in that work before it manifests itself, before yeah. you get the book, the first tour? Are you behaving like you are getting ready to go on tour? So that's what you did for a solid year. And then how 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 many of us would have given up like six months in, man, you know, so-and-so hasn't called me or this record company hasn't called me. Like I'm going back to doing what I was doing or to, you know, not doing it half-heartedly. But you stayed true to what you felt like God told you to do and it paid off. Like that is just... That's, that's crazy to me. Well, it's not crazy because that's how God works, but yeah. that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, I thank God for how I thought back in those days, because as we get older, we know a little bit more, um, we, we act more like humans, which is when we're on a journey, our, our mind is set on the destination. And it's so funny because back then I didn't care about a destination. Yeah. I cared about the journey. It's yeah. funny. It's kind of like a car. A car just drives. It doesn't know that, oh, well, the end is about to come or, or our destination is right. on its way in, right. in five miles. It doesn't know that. It just right. drives. It, it, that's, it, that's it. And right. whatever you, who's, who's, who's the controller of the car, mm -hmm. wherever you stop and wherever you say the journey is, that's, where the, that's just where it is. And so I looked at God as that. You know, I was, I was the car and I, mm -hmm. and, and I, I was just like, you know what, God, you showed me what it is. So all I'm going to do is trust and walk by faith. But I don't care about what the destination is. A lot of times we ask God for stuff and it's all we care about is just the destination. And that's all we're looking at. So when it doesn't come in a certain time, you, we get discouraged and like it's not going to ever happen. But God's like, don't worry about the destination. If I told you that's what it's going to be and that's where you're going to be at or whatever it is, then that's what's going to happen. 
But don't you worry about that. You just be that car and just ride, just take the journey. And whenever it comes, it's just going to be there and you'll be ready for it. And so that, and that's where I was. So that's mm-hmm. the first part of it. The second part that I was talking about, what I was talking about this morning, like as a young person, it was weird how God kind of made me because I was always about relationships and I didn't really realize what I was doing at the time. But growing up, I wasn't really a talker. And I'm I'm kind of that way now. Like if you first meet me, you probably won't get two words out of me unless you talk to me, you know, then and, and I'll be, you know, I'll talk or whatever. But other than that, I'm very just observant or whatever, because I'm all about learning people. And at a young age, like I never forget, I was like the only kid with business cards and I made my own on my mom's computer. And um, because it was just in me that said, like everybody around me will always say, you know, I want to make all this money, you know? And so I want this gig and this gig and this tour, you know, cause it pays this much money. And I was like, cool, well, I don't want that. And I don't know why I never wanted that, but I never ever desired that. I said, I want to develop relationships with the people who are paying us because if I can get in good with them, then I'll have money for the rest of my life. And that's what I was doing. And so people was like, why are you doing this stuff for so cheap? Or why are you doing this stuff for free? And I never told them why, because I didn't want to feel like that outcast person and people looking at me like I'm stupid. I didn't know, but I knew that I was just, I, all I cared about was developing relationships with them so that they could hire me for life, not just for one day. Because we know money doesn't really have a value to it. It's like once it gets in our hands, we're spending it right away. So I don't want money for just one show. And so I began to start developing relationships with all the promoters, all the owners, all the management, all that stuff. And, and as my life went on, and I never forget, I had an interview with Earth, Wind & Fire. Not an interview, but um, a meeting. And we went out to eat and even those guys was like, man, if we knew what you knew now, we would be way further than we are. And I think they're like the gods of you know, yeah, music. Yeah, absolutely. But I didn't know back then that that's, that was going to be valued like that. Um, mm-hmm. But that's what I always did. And that's what I do now is really hone in on creating relationships with people because that's what lasts. Yeah. Wow. Again, so much to unpack. So I feel like even the second part of your story ties into the first when you are when you're developing these relationships, you're not concerned about what the end is. You are concerned about the journey, the journey of getting to know them, the journey of working with them, whatever that looks like, however that is. You're more tied to and invested in that than just, oh, this person could give me, you know, ten thousand dollars in in a month or this person could hire me for a million dollars at some point. And I think that that is what draws people and connects people to you and where they in turn want to see you win and want to see you succeed. And they're like, let me circle back and see what he's doing now. Let me, you know, promote what he has going on now because whether I had or didn't have, like he was just about me and our connection and building that. And I think that's where a lot of people could thrive more and and achieve more in their own personal lives is if they really look at their connections, not just for what they potentially could do for them at some point, but just also for the fact that, you know, people need connection. People need, um, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody that, that can pour into them or you pour, they pour into you. And not, again, not being solely concerned about where that ends up, 
but also about just the sheer journey of getting there. I will say that like even just the journey of getting to know you has been just so enjoyable and pleasurable. And I love and I love conversations like this because I get to know you like in a different way or I get to know different parts of your story. And it just also helps me to understand, oh, that's why he does this. <laughs> that's why <laughs> That's why he says certain things. Or that's why he wanted to do this. So in case you all don't know, also another part of our relationship is that we now work together. We have been working together for a little bit over a year. And what we're getting ready to talk about now, and that is his latest endeavor, Terrell Martin and C2 Mass Choir. So I will say like kind of as a segue from that, I'm sure people, because they have known you as a drummer, they know you from page six, especially locally. They know (laughs) you in that regard. Did people kind of look at you strange or wonder what in the world when you mentioned to them or when you said that you're going to like start Terrell Martin and C2 Mass Choir? I feel like that some people, when they don't kind of know your story and how God deals with you, they look at certain decisions as that came out of left field or, you know, where did that come from? And they might think of it as a pivot, but it doesn't really sound like a pivot because first of all, you come from a musical family in a, in a gospel musical family. And from what I understand, you know, from Timothy, as well as you, like y'all had choirs and groups, like throughout your, your young and adult life. Tell me about just the journey or the process or the conversations that you had when you were considering starting Terrell Martin and C2 Mass Choir, and then tell us what C2 Mass Choir is. Shout out to all my C2 fam that's listening. Hey. <laughs> great people, great people. Yeah, so like you said, just always being in the church and then making that, that transition out of out of the church into the secular world, you know, that's a story in itself. I remember at a certain point, I never, I, I wasn't satisfied. That was at the point to where I knew that what I assumed that this was going to be what I was going to be doing, that's when I knew that God had something else for me. I just couldn't see it or understand it until I got to a certain point. And I, and I thank God for his patience with, with us, with me, to allow me to still do what I do and live to see what it was actually supposed to be. But I still couldn't understand what it was. Like, it was like I was doing all this stuff and I would have moments where I would feel like, oh man, this feels good. But for the majority, it was like the very next day, I was like, this is whack. <laughs> you know, it was like, I mean, it, and that's how it was, you know. And I, I would like stop what I was doing and then get back into it and then stop what I was doing. And I know my, like my managers and everybody around me was just kind of really mad at me because I guess there's a famous word out there that people say I'm a mystery and, Mm. and uh, I'm really not a mystery. I just really am into myself a lot, like spiritually. And if something don't feel good and I don't know, I won't speak on it and I won't move until I know. And that's just where I was for a while. And I remember God gave me a vision to start a choir um, and start Colorado Mass over again. But I just left it at that. I was like, God didn't tell me to move or nothing. He just said, this is what you're going to do. That was it. And I'm one that really listens. When I when people talk to me, I'm a good listener. So I listen to every single word you say, because every word means something. And I don't want to get take my own meaning out of it. So when he didn't say a date, I didn't put a date in there. I just was like, okay, I see. This is what eventually I'm going to do. 
And I was into it because, like I said, my mom and my twin brother was a part of Cut Order Mass. So I went to all their rehearsals, you know, a lot of their shows and stuff. And I would always sit just wishing that I was a part of that. I was wishing that I was the drummer for them. Right. And the music director, I never, ever thought that this would happen. So that's all I wanted was that. And it's and it's funny, <laughs> you know, how how our great God sees us bigger than we see ourselves, you know, (laughs) and, but thank God I, you know, am open to really hear him even in the places that I'm uncomfortable, you know, and, and, and agree with it and do it and accept it. And so it wasn't until the pandemic happened that God started showing me more and more of it. And then right when it was over, he clearly said, now's the time and that's really how i got into starting uh c2 mass choir and he, and i said i wanted to do something a little different god um with the give different spin different sound because you know it's a different day you know music changes every day daily and so and that's when he was like you know let's do c2 mass choir <laughs> you know and I said, yeah, I like that name. I like that name. Part two, you know. And, uh, and so that's how C2 came along. Yay. I love when you tell that story. All right. So maybe the part that you don't know about our starting to work together. Maybe, I think it was pre-pandemic. You <laughs> did a Kirk Franklin tribute concert and I attended. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was fun, but I forgot about that. That was so much fun. That was so much fun. But for me, what that did was I got to see your creative side. I mean, I knew that you were a skilled drummer. I've watched you play at church as well as with page six and things like that. So, I mean, your skill was never, you know, like in question for me or anything like that. But I really got to see your creative side. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, oh, wow, this this is something really amazing. And I remember sitting there at one point thinking, man, this is something I would like to be a part of. Like, I wish I could have been in on the the, the behind the scenes of this because this is right up my alley. Like, I love this. I love creative people. I love the arts and all of that kind of stuff. And I remember sitting there in that show thinking that. And so then when you inboxed me one day and was like, hey, can I, can I talk to you? I was like, sure. And at first I was like, oh, Lord, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and so we got on the phone and you just started sharing your vision and what you felt like you were called to do. I was like, I'm going to be polite and listen, but it was an immediate yes for me. I was like, yeah, I can do this. And and I wanted to do this because I felt like I could contribute something and, you know, just help fulfill your vision for C2. So yeah, it was almost, I said yes before C2 even existed, like in my heart, because I just loved your creativity and I loved how you put that show together and just all of the different elements of it, as well as the the skill of singing that was there, the quality of singing, the quality Mm -hmm. of ministry that absolutely translates into C2 and what we do and how we show up in the community. You've already kind of said this, but do you think C2 is another part of the fulfillment of your purpose? Oh, yeah, definitely know that. I know that this this is what it was all for, you know, mm. for me to ministry and, um, and and music what that I was born into, you know, choir, it, you know, it doesn't really happen anymore right. um, like it used to back in the day. And um, but this is what this is who I am. 
you know, okay. and it's funny, you know, it's always been who I am. I've never changed who I was. It, it, it was funny because me playing in the clubs and stuff, it was like every time somebody would talk to me at the club, they were always either if there were church people, they knew, they knew right. the fruit, by, you know, by the fruit. You know, they right. knew it. They'd come up to me and be like, boy, that's just anointing. Like they knew, like <laughs> right. you're, you, you, right. they used to say you're a minister or you're a pastor because just from the way you play it, I ain't even say nothing to them, mm-hmm. you know, or I had several situations where people got saved just off of me playing. Matter of fact, the owner of the club live at Jack's back then was called Jazz at Jack's. I did a gospel show at their uh, venue and the owner got saved at my show. Wow. Wow. Uh, so it was always, th- this is, this has always been me. You know, a lot of people don't, don't recognize that, but I never changed myself. I never changed for anybody. Um, I always kn- knew that I belonged to God. I always claimed him as my father, uh, my spiritual father. And, uh, you know, and, and I'll never, never, ever like shy away from God just for some, some, status or people or whatever that is you know i'm a church boy and i'm a pk those of us that are pks out there man it's stuck it's it's in you for life the yeah. good and the bad and the absolutely so absolutely can- absolutely yeah i um i definitely agree with that and now it you know so many more things make sense now <laughs> just this little bit of conversation with you so much more of how the development, the uh, the start of C2, where we are even right now, just makes so much sense um, just as it relates to your own personal journey. And I'm just glad to be along for the ride, man. Like, I love it. <laughs> it wouldn't be without trees, that's for sure. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just, yeah. I'm just here putting a little gas in the tank so the car can keep moving. So the car can keep moving. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. It's the journey has been the C2 journey. The C2 part of this journey has been bananas Mm. to kind of say the least for a group to be in existence for just a little over a year, like a year and a month from our first concert. And I say our, I don't think like as my daddy could say, I can't carry a note sealed in the envelope. However, I do feel like I'm a part of, I know all the songs. I can sing right along with them. <laughs> I promise you, I know it all. Uh, I wear the outfits as much as I can. Like, I'm a part of the crew. So, um, but I will say that this journey has just been amazing. And I think, too, that's a testament to it being the right season and time for this to happen for multi- for a multitude of reasons, right? Just to also watch what we have been able to do and accomplish and build because literally you talk about starting from the ground up we've had to build every part of this organization of this family and so tell us like kind of from your perspective about the c2 journey and let's talk about some of the music that we've released so far yeah so you know to to start out uh, C2, um, I've been doing this for a while now, you know, starting groups, starting choirs, starting churches, starting, you know, helping build, build, build. And so starting this, one thing that I knew that I had to start with is a staff. I knew that nothing will ever have its foundation, which means it can't grow or sustain itself without a strong staff and strong vision. Um, with the staff and so I started off with all you you all 
and and when I knew that that was going to be um, what it needed to be, and, and that and the strong foundation that it needed to be in in order to hold up this this mansion, if you will, I, that's when I, I started to bring in the singers. But without the staff, you know, that, that's something you know I don't really talk to a lot of leaders um, these days. You know, in everything that we do, and God gives us, there's always a foundation. You know, just like a house, there's always that foundational structure that has to be built first in order for the house to stand. And I think that a lot of people do not recognize that. They just start their stuff and do it themselves and and bring in whoever they want to bring in and eventually bring in staff members once things go wrong. Once they, and I only can say that because that's how I started everything that I was ever a part of and none of it never lasted. And I was wondering why it never lasted. And I understood after years and years of failing, I never really had a foundation for anything stand on. Mm-hmm. So things always changed. Things wasn't consistent, you know, all that stuff. And so um, if, if there's a word, if, if you are a person that started in a group, a choir, a, a business, whatever it is, please take this advice um, from me. Start with a staff. Start with your foundation. Because without that, you're not going to be able to stand at all. Trust. And I'm telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know. So starting out with the staff and then, that foundation, like I said, is the most important part. After that, I uh, called some singers that um, I had worked with, whether it's from other churches that I was with or other groups that I was with or other bands that I was with um, and asked them. But I was very strategic with, with starting C2 Choir. And, you know, a lot of people who, 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 who have been in my shoes will understand what I'm saying. But I wanted to purposely make sure that I didn't call people that would down what I'm doing or down my spirit without even them knowing that they were doing it. Through the years, we, we meet people and we develop relationships with people and we learn them. And, and some people, we learn that, oh, man, they, they, they really are people who, who don't really agree with a lot of stuff, you know, you know and, um, and, and aren't into every single thing that we all say. And, but then when they're into it, then it's all good. But other than that, it, and sometimes that discourages us and people don't realize that. And so mm-hmm. it was funny because I said, this is something so big. And I, I never started anything like this. I said, this is something so big that I cannot ask not one person even though I know they would say yes, I cannot ask one person to be a part of this. And I know they will have something negative to say that would discourage me or a feeling because we can feel these spirits. And so, you know, because of that, there was really close people to me that I never, ever asked to be a part of it. Um, there was all of my family. I think I only told my sister about it, um, mm-hmm. which is my friend. Um, and I think she was the only one in my family that I told about it because that was another thing. I didn't want anybody. I wanted people in there that believed in my spirit and not in just Terrell. Okay. And, uh, and uh, that was another thing, it, you know, that was really big for me that I really like God told me that like, this is your baby. So you have to protect it. Mm. So that may be things that might hurt your feelings that you can't do or ask people and all that stuff to start, start this thing out. And so, you know, you, you protect it. And, and you know who you need to talk to, you know who you don't need to talk to. And that didn't mean that these people weren't going to be a part of it. It was just that 
the way you start, I believe, is the way that you finish. And I didn't want to start with a whole bunch of negativity. You know what I mean? Right. Well, is this yeah. really going to happen? Do you have the money to do it? Can you really do it? Oh, here you go doing something else. All that, you know, all of that. Like, yeah. Usually that stuff comes from the people's close, you know, your best friends yeah. and your family because they know yeah. everything that you've done. Right. You know, and I couldn't, I, I wouldn't been able to fathom all that stuff. I know I wouldn't have lasted because, you know, nobody's saying that to hurt your feelings, especially family, but they don't realize that it actually really kills you. It kills your yeah. dream, you know? Yeah. And so I didn't ask any of them and I know they got really mad at me about that. Um, but I needed to do what I needed to do in order to make sure that this thing came through. So I asked the people who I knew that believed in the spirit of God that's in me, you know, and, um, and, and, and it worked. I was like, whoa, okay, God, I ain't never started a group like this before in my life with the staff that was perfect, with the choir that was perfect. And it wasn't everything that I wanted, but you just started. So you got to develop all, all that other stuff. So I wasn't looking for it to sound like Ricky Dillard right away or look like, you know, Apple or, you know, Macintosh or whatever. <laughs> right, right, right. You yeah. Know, I wasn't looking for all that. I didn't, you know, I knew that everything has to develop. We all, including myself, have to develop because I never really started a choir by myself, you know. And so that's basically how this whole empire kind of got started over again, I should say, and getting everybody involved. You know, I was definitely strict, though, with who I wanted, especially band and stuff. You know, God really showed me. He said, Terrell, the rise and the fall is with you. Exactly what he said. So we, we tend, especially as church people, tend to blame Satan for a lot of stuff that's our fault. We tend to blame God for a lot of stuff that's our fault. And, and, and it's not them at all. It's us. And, and God clearly said, don't be blaming any of us on that. The rise and the fall is going to be only because of you. So he said, get who you know will get the job done. Wow. I mean, he was clear. <laughs> and, and so people have asked me, well, why don't you use these people to lead songs? And why don't you use other people to play? And why don't you use other writers and blah, blah, blah? And it's mainly because if this fails, none of y'all have to answer for it. I do. <laughs> so I have to get who I know will get this job done. No ma- and no matter what it takes, no matter what it takes. So if I got to pay these musicians, then I got to pay these musicians. If I got to pay the singer, then I got to pay the singer. But that's what it's going to take because I want to show God that this means a lot to me. You yeah. know what I mean? This is yeah. very important. I may have went off on some other No, 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 no. <laughs> that's absolutely where I wanted you to go. And I was just sitting here thinking about what you were saying um, about kind of the foundation and the structure that you built and how important that it it is and it was. And I think that that is so true. And I think, too, a lot of our dreams either get derailed or delayed because, Mm -hmm. like you said, you put it in the hands of people that really aren't capable of helping to fulfill the vision. And it was so super wise and smart of you to insulate yourself, at least for a time being, with (laughs) only people that were going to speak life, that were going to be can do, going to be like, we're going to figure this out, you know, more problem solvers than problem bringers. And so I think that that one way for anyone that's out there that's listening, that is 
dreaming, starting something new, wanting to start something, whatever the project is, whatever the widget is, whatever the whatchamacallit is, make sure you insulate yourself with and surround yourself only with people that are going to speak life, that are going to help you figure it out, that are going to help you solve the issues, challenges, obstacles, and problems. Because that's how at least getting out, I mean, sometimes we don't even get out the gate. So I think that that was so wise of you and and also very self-aware too, right? Because we know ourselves, we know that the people that we love, they can really influence us in a way. Mm -hmm. And I get some of that is about protection and them not wanting to see us, you know, stumble or not achieve what we want to achieve and be disappointed in those things. But we also know that, that that will keep us from actually taking steps and leaps of faith. And I think that that's what God requires of anything that is part of his will for our lives, anything that is big for the kingdom. uh, It takes a huge act and leap of faith. And this also made me think about when you were talking earlier about like growing up and just how you approached your your craft and your uh, creativity and your uh, life as a musician And it's like you had this almost childlike faith, right? And that's what, you know, I was like, you should have childlike faith. But somewhere along the way, like that almost gets beaten out of us or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, between trauma and life experiences, we stop doing that. We look at the facts and the black and white and the figures and all of that. And the faith part of it is almost but removed. But one of the things that I definitely admire about you, even, you know, like in our meetings, you still have this amazing sense of faith and this amazing just basis of, yeah, we can figure this out. You know, it may not look exactly what we think it's going to look like right now. And literally, I have watched time and time again, us figure it out and us get what we need and us get what where we're going and us just have. Um, this amazing experience in, in, in this choir, in, the, in this organization. And I'm grateful because it has increased my own personal faith, watching yeah. you, watching us build and grow and do and be and um, exist and, and grow as, as being a part of this, the staff of this choir. Like it has been just such a joy and a pleasure. Um, being a, a part of C2 in this regard. It's so right. thank you for thank even you. thinking of me like that. Like I, I didn't <laughs> even know that you, that you saw me like that. So I, I'm extremely appreciative um, of just the chance and the opportunity to work with you. So. Same here. Same here. <laughs> it's a joy. I know, isn't it? It's so much fun. That's right. This organization has been exactly what I needed at the time that I needed it. And I, I think I've said that to you uh, personally, but definitely I wanted to say it publicly. Like you have shown up for me in my life with through this organization and just personally in a way that I knew that I needed, but I didn't know where it was going to come from. And I'm glad that it came in the way and in the time and in the, the um, just the fulfillment, the manifestation that it's come in through, through you and C2. Like it has been exactly what I needed. You talked a little bit about 
the staff and the structure and that's part of what you've done right is there anything else like you know the gigs our structure anything else that you feel like you've kind of done right another thing that we did you know we we had to think about we had to think about our state you know everybody that starts something is going to be a little different because of where you are you know every city has a different culture and um and so we we we're not really a musical state you know, especially in gospel music at all. And so I knew that we had to do something extravagant in order to start and and have that same like power that Colorado Mass Choir had. And so our boy Greg right out has said, hey T, why don't we start out with doing the single? You know, so then people don't think that it's just this community choir that you trying to start back, that they know that we actually mean business. And so uh, Greg wrote a song and uh, called it So Amazing. And uh, he sent it to me, him and his brother. And, uh, and I listened to it and I was like, okay, let, let, let's put some down, let's put some down. So me and my boy Anthony, we started kind of collaborating, figuring things out and, and, uh, and we came up with So Amazing. And, and, um, and so that was um, another big part of our foundation, you know, with starting something that would let Colorado know that it was serious because Ain't no gospel records really been done out here since Colorado Mass at that level, period. And so this was going to be the first one. Um, and and I knew that the people in Colorado were like, okay, they do mean business. And so that was our first single, so amazing. And, and we came out with that and our first release concert as well. And the thing, too, that I like about you and other musicians that I know and creatives that I know in Colorado is you're not afraid to kind of get out there and make a name and a way for yourself, right? Like you are true musicians in that regard to me and true creatives in that way. Like you're not over on this side of the world. A lot of people want the record deal. They want to be, you know, they want to go that traditional route. But one of the amazing things that I've admired and taken a lot of just notes from, you know, being a part of C2 and just watching other people that I know in the area is that you're not afraid to take your career in your own hands and put it out there for people to, you know, either embrace or not, but you're being true to who you are as a creative, as a musician. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? What's that? Shine on me. Oh yeah. One of the favorites. (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so give us the background yeah so shine on me is our single that's out right now um on all platforms great song um by andre crouch uh growing up in california with my uncle john nash jr um he taught his group this song and they sung it all the time and killed it Uh, that was one of my favorite songs to hear them sing so they just stuck with me all these years and i was like you know what Let's go ahead and do that song as a, as a single, you know, re-release it um, and add a little spin on it. And so that's kind of like where the vision came from. And so, and you know, Vanessa Bell Armstrong performed it, and then we got my friend, uh, my sister Sarah, um, Sarah Avery, um, to lead on it, which happens to be one of Vanessa Bell Armstrong's uh, background singers. Actually, she did it with her a lot. And, Sarah sings uh, a mess out of that song too. She sings. Um, out of it. Uh, it's such a nice woman. Her husband yeah, is amazing. So amazing too. He's a musician too. And uh, the whole family, they're just a, a, a great group of people. You, you, you know, don't really find people like that. Just good and clean. Good right. and clean. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, yeah. she, she killed it. 
I hope that you guys really enjoy it. Did it, um, arranged it with my boy, Joe Johnson III um, for New Orleans and a uh, great producer, great songwriter. And, uh, and C2, killing it. So y'all go pick it up everywhere. Absolutely. So it's going to be linked in the show notes how you can get it. We have two singles out and the third one that's on the way. So on all the platforms, both singles are out, right? So amazing and shine on me. Uh, save it to your playlist. Make sure that you are pumping it. Share it with your friends. It is a great sort of throwback moment to the opening of the show. Amen. Yes, I mean, if you, if you watch that show, then you you will know the song and you will rock, clap, and sing your little heart out with the right. with the C two twist though. And that's what I love about C two. Everything is with a little twist, a little as they call it now, <laughs> razzle dazzle. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. a little sass a little sauce on it i love it a little sauce i love creatives i love musicians i love anybody that's in the arts and things like that and i love like delving into their minds so i gotta peek behind the curtains a little (laughs) bit with you and i'm very interested in knowing like what is your creative process i think i've always wanted to ask you this question like how do you study for shows how do you choose the music for c2 how do you come up with the shows that we have right now? I need to know all the things. Peel back. I need to know how your mind works. Man, you know, being creative, you know, takes great inspiration. You know, daily I'm listening to music, you know, and I'm constantly listening to different artists. So, you know, my favorites, Stevie Wonder, Earth, Wind & Fire, Gap Band, Prince is my number one. You know, MJ, Kurt Franklin, Fred, Thompson Community Choir, Orlando Draper, and the associates, you know, Ricky Dillard. You Some know, of the young bucks are going to have, they're like on Google right now, they're like this. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle John, Tommy <laughs> Key, Hezekiah Walker. I mean, I can go on to, you know, being from the West Coast, you know, listening oh, yeah. to Snoop and Dre and Dog Pound and, you know, Ice ice cube and i mean it's kind of like i listen to so much music you know so many different musics that just develop this inspiration and this creativity i mean and um and and usually when i hear something um it just i don't know something just happens in my head where i'm like oh man we can put that here we can do that here we can do this you know or, or i'm just sleeping just god gives me something a melody and i wake up and i pick up my phone and I just recorded into my voice memo and then I go back to sleep. And the next day I wake up and I wake up the guys and I, hey, let's record this. All right, let's see what we can add to this. This is the hook right here. Let's put it together, you know. Wow. And so that's really how I cre- create most of my stuff. Just b- putting all this music in my head and, and, and taking it in and, um, and feeling it. One thing that I'm about is feel, which, you know, I want to feel the spirit, the spirit of the song. And I'll, I'll record a song 25 times until I can feel it. Matter of fact, we're recording our next single right now. And uh, one of the singers, <laughs> my god sister, Sonia, said, I'm sick and tired of recording this song. <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> she said. said. <laughs> yeah, we're going to continue to record it until I feel it. And if uh, we don't feel it, then it's just going to be something else. Right. And um, now I finally feel it. <laughs> um, okay. and, I got it, but that's how whenever I'm producing or whatever, you know, I have to feel, I have to feel it. We can't just do all kinds of licks and all kinds of runs and riffs and harmonies. I need to feel that because when people are listening to it, they're going to feel the same spirit that was put into it, no matter what, whether they like it or not, you know what I mean? And so 
that's how we, we you know we come up with the stuff we created you know we'll come up with the hook or or songs that like you know the medleys and stuff like that i was like you know what's the number one hits let's get those songs together songs that everybody knows or songs that are easy then let's make it more current in some way maybe that might need to change with the the vocal arrangement or maybe that might need to change with the musical arrangement or maybe both you know but how can we make it a little bit more powerful but still to where everybody can can know that that was the song you know it's not so far out there that's really interesting too and I always think about how things translate into other genres or industries and I think that there is kind of like that feeling that you have when you know you're kind of in the right path or you're yeah. um there's a um an author that calls it your zone of genius and mm-hmm. I feel like you know when like you say you do it until you feel it you do what mm-hmm. you have to do until you feel like you're in that zone of gen- genius mm-hmm. And I think that's where the greatest creativity, the greatest works of impact come from. And you clearly are very, very good at that. So you've you've named a lot of artists. Who inspires you, musically or otherwise? But definitely musically, who inspires you? You know, it's like every season of my life is somebody different. (laughs) Um, I can understand that. Prince, definitely. um, was probably my top Prince and James Brown because... You know, what about James I, Brown inspires you? I'm very interested in that. James Brown inspired Prince. So, um, but he, he's funky as a director. I, I look at him as a producer and director. Okay. Um, um, he's able to fill all the instruments. He's able to play them all. But the way that a producer and a direct, a real director um, actually plays is different than just somebody who plays that instrument. It, it, you know, and I love how he knew exactly what he wanted and knew how to execute mm. that, how to talk about it, how to explain it, how to play mm. it, all that stuff and bring it all together. Like he he heard the end and knew how to get there. Like James <sighs> is just, ugh, that, that. And so listening to him, listening to Prince and all them, that's what I gained from them is, okay, how does a real leader know the ending, but also know how to get there? A lot of people don't know how to do that. They'll just know the ending and be like, all right, let's all figure it out together, you know. <laughs> but I'm not one of those guys. I, I want to know how how I'm going to get there and we're going to do it. You know what I'm saying? We're going to execute. And so you do this, you do that. Let's put the, well, no, nah, that won't work. Let's do this, do that, boom, boom, boom. You know, and so, but James Brown and, um, and Prince and Love Kirk Franklin, uh, great inspiration. But at the in this season right now, probably my best inspiration is Anderson Pack. Okay. <laughs> he was like, I feel like we're like brothers in a way because I can he's see that singer, producer, drummer, and which everything that I've done. He grew up in the church, Pentecostal church. I grew up church. Like uh, his whole story kind of matches mine, you know, weird. And so, but but his his creativity, golly, it's from his first album to his last album, it's nuts. Like he's he's probably the one that I would want to meet now and <laughs> and chop it up. Like he's the greatest inspiration. Just seeing anything that he does makes me go into my studio and write something else. You know, I love that. I can see, I can absolutely see that. And it's almost like to you you like people that like they're musicians, musicians, right? Like I feel like there's 
some some musicians are for the masses. It's for, you know, the common folk like me. But I feel like there's some, and the ones that you named are definitely ones that I feel like other musicians would be like, oh my God, yeah. like, what are you doing? And trying to <laughs> dissect that and figure out. And then the thing that I do like about you that I think is a little mm-hmm. bit different, only because I know you, I feel like you turn that around. It's like, how does that work for me? Mm-hmm. Not trying to necessarily copy somebody else or, you know, do that. You reimagine it in your own voice, in your own tone, with your own personality. And I feel like if people can do that with whatever, again, their widget is, mm-hmm. this world would be like amazing just in terms of the creativity, the impact that we have. I like that a lot. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that. I, um, I can't remember which show we were still in, but it was like there were some people who was kind of interviewing, if you will, the band. And this was my first time being able to hear them talk about C2. I had never heard okay. what they felt and, and what they feel about me and my leadership skills or whatever, or lack thereof. Never heard it. So the drummer, my drummer that I love, my new brother, Devin Reed, he said, you know, it's so easy to work with Terrell because he wants you to be yourself. <laughs> and I had never heard that be- from a musician before in my life. And I've worked with so many, I'm a music director for so many. And so to hear it, I'm sure most people think that, but there was two people that spoke something in front of me that I could remember. I'm sure a lot more people say stuff, but that was something that I remember. And then my god brother in Chicago, his name is Chris Misko, he's a great drummer. And he said, you are, and and remember where I say he's from, Chicago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) He said, you are the best and the easiest choir director to follow. <laughs> Those two things I always remember. <laughs> Go down in history. I, yeah, no, but that's and totally. I, and I'm not even a choir director. My brother and my boy Neil and all the man they can. They were born to be choir directors. I'm nowhere near a choir director, and never will say that I am. You know, I'm just a producer. And I know how to put it all together, which is totally two different things, you know, but I never say that. But when Devin said that, that that's exactly who I am, because, you know, growing up in California, that's what we will always tell people. Like, if I wanted Dennis Chambers, then why why would I want you to play what he's playing? Let's go get him because we can get him. He's available. I, apparently, as long as he's alive, he's available. You know, <laughs> so that's why I think, you know, yeah. if I want Kurt Franklin, I'll go get Kurt Franklin. Why do I want you to be him? you know me or whatever whoever it is and so yeah you know I am myself and will always be myself and I take away yeah I take these things from all these people from all these artists and I develop who I am and that's what I want everybody else to do that's why I don't want them to be mini Terrells or whatever like that in a way I want them to grab the the strengths that that apply to them from me or from things around me people around me and develop who they are And that's why Devin was able to say, you know, he wants you to be you. He'll tell you what to do. But with that, he wants you to be you, you know, because that's who he called as you. Wow. That is so profound. And I think that that is so true for leaders. I think that's when you get the best out of your staff, right? Like when you get the best out of the people that you're leading is when you give them. And that's the thing about that. I also admire and respect about you and like about you is the fact that you are always casting vision. You're always, you know, kind of letting 
letting us know parts of the journey and where we're headed and doing things mm-hmm. like that. But then you allow us to walk that out in our own way, in our own personality, however, you know, God has wired and tempered us and made us to be. And I think that there is like a freedom and a liberty in that. And I think that's also where kind of the anointing comes in because he's anointing who, who he made you to be, not a replica or a representative of you, but who he actually made you to be. And I think that's what makes it just so impactful. And that's what makes your drumming better. That's what makes your uh, mm-hmm. keyboard playing better. That's what makes your choir directing better. That's mm-hmm. what makes your singing better when you're able, you're under somebody that gives you the freedom and the flexibility to be who you actually are. So thank you on behalf of all of C2 and every musician that you've ever worked with, because we appreciate it. So my podcast is called Unbecoming Conversations. And the whole premise of this podcast is the fact that I feel like that there are certain things that we have to unbecome, like the, mm-hmm. the shoulds, the things that people thought to say that we should do, should be, should behave like, should think in order to become what we're actually meant to be. Were there any things that you had to overcome or unbecome throughout your life, but also um, especially in the C2 phase of your life in order to to really walk in this the way that you want to, in the way that God wants you to? Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's cool that you asked that. There, there was a couple of things that came to mind when I'm thinking about this question. I'm going to say this one, because one has to do with my spiritual walk. And the other one has to deal with my character. And then the spiritual walk part of it um, is really important to me because that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I uh, was, you know, grew up Kojic and everything. And I remember our um, leader, uh, Minister of Music, had uh, <clears throat> got up and said something about me in front of the whole church, um, but didn't say my name, but was definitely I mean, talking about me because I'm the only person that looks the way that I looked that was at the church, earrings, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and I was the only musician in this whole state that was church of God in Christ and playing in the club. So, if you, know, you know, it was like everybody knew. And Process I of elimination. Exactly. <laughs> everybody knew. I mean, even the guys behind me, the musicians, they was like laughing because they knew. And it was funny, but it hurt me. And I remember I snuck out the back door um, of the church. And, um, and my mom and everybody was looking for me, but I just began to cry. I was so torn apart. And I remember that that moment I, I told God, I said, if you're mean like this, I don't want to have nothing to do with you ever. <laughs> I don't want no parts of you at all if you hurt wow. people's feelings. And um, at that moment, that's when God showed me who he is. Mm. It was at that moment that I started studying for myself. The Bible, I don't even know why I was picking up the Bible, but God knew why I was. <laughs> and um, he just put, placed that need in me, told me, I mean, guided my hands on which scriptures to go to, which, what to start reading, where to go, what chapters to go, what books to go to, all that stuff. And I started seeing God uh, for myself. And I was like, I actually ended up getting more and more and more mad. <laughs> And I was like, God, all this time. Yeah, because you see the contradictions. Yeah, this is a lie. And this was a lie. Yeah. (laughs) But then it was like, God was raising something in me. It it was like, I'm not telling you that to judge other people. I'm showing you what you need to know. Because you needed to know that that was possible to happen. You Mm -hmm. needed to know that there was going to be false prophets. Because I told you that Mm. in my word. You need to 
to know that everybody around you that says, Lord, Lord, is not going to make it to the kingdom of heaven. My um, my. So you, you needed to see this for yourself, not for you to judge everybody every time you go to the church service and stuff, because everybody ain't bad. And all those people ain't bad either. But that right. was for you, you know, wow. so that you can learn, so that you can know. And so at that moment, man, I just got so deep in the word. My relationship with God just got so tight. I mean, so tight. And I knew him. And because of that, I didn't leave him. And because of that, he started showing me why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm the, I'm, I'm gifted, why I'm a musician, why I love music, why I'm going to be this choir director, why I'm going to do all these things. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and now that you know why, <laughs> you know, now you can execute my, my will for your life. Now, now you can save the souls that, that are called to you. Now, you. now you can be more aware of where you are and what you are doing because you know why you're doing it. You know what I'm saying? And you can be more powerful for the kingdom of heaven, you know? And so that's basically my, my little... You, you knew me. him, you got to know him, so you didn't leave him. If nobody mm-hmm. gets anything else out of this interview, get to know him for yourself so that you will never leave him. <laughs> that's real I have to sit with that for a minute like yeah we might have to end this interview early because I'm just like OMG but that is so true and I think for people that have experienced church hurt and any other kind of hurt like you have to get to know God for yourself because also in getting to know him you get to know yourself that's right and so all of the things the maladies and the deficiencies and the insecurities that this hurt or other people have tried to put in you, it gets dealt with and it gets replaced by the truth of who he is and the truth of how he made you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what's so important in walking out this journey and doing what you're called to do, what God has called you to do and in living like that life. That That is probably one of the greatest lessons that I think we could ever learn. That's right. Wow. Do you want to talk about the other area in your life that you had to unbecome or overcome? It was a moment where I was actually in a, uh, in a shooting um, at this church. And long story short, I uh, was outside at the church getting some air while service was going on. And a car came by and a guy got in an accident, came out, started shooting at us. And, um, and I was the first one out there. Um, and um, and God spared my life. Um, and it was at it, it was that moment where um, God started changing me, char- who I am, how I think, character in me. And I, I started to now see life as, you know, and ask my question all the time, like, you know, what really matters, <laughs> you know, um, and something that we don't ever think about. We we go through life. And, um, and well, let me talk about myself. Like before then, I didn't care. Like I just went off on anybody who disrespected me. Um, I didn't care about relationships that that much like that. I would just be like, mm, eh, <laughs> goodbye. Mm, you know? Too bad, so sad. Right. <laughs> so it was like at that point, God just changed my whole heart, you know? And said, Terrell, you know, what really matters? You, you had a clear glimpse of one second. You see somebody and one second, you're not there. And, and, and um, so what really matters? 
you know, what really matters. I really want that to sink into people, you know, what really matters? Is it that you, you're heard, you know, or that you just touch somebody's heart mm. and you show them love, you know? Do, do you have to be right or does it matter that, you know, what matters more, you know? And so, and, uh, and so that was a big turnaround for me, you know, and, and that in and, and a lot of ways, people was like, Terrell, how do you still be friends with these people who jack, who, who jack you up? Because that's my question. Isn't yeah. it my question? Is is that not my question? I help you like, uh, and we're still talking to them be to them because why or why? And people constantly dog me, and you know, and I never said that I was perfect. You know, I'm always making mistakes, and I hate the mistakes that I make. I always say to myself, one mistake is too many. You know, and I'm always doing that, but I'm always asking God to forgive me and stuff. So I never say that I'm perfect, but it's like some people just, they just put you in this place, in this space where it's like you, you, you can't make any mistakes, you know? <laughs> and, um, and I always said to myself, you know what, so those people, they, they haven't probably had that experience that I've had, you know, but what's most important is that they know that even in spite of what they do to me, that I still love them, just like in spite of what I do to God on a daily basis, which is horrible, that he still loves me. Yeah. And if my prayer every morning, which this is my prayer, is God, help me to be more like you every day. Then mm. I got to understand what that really means. Because in church, we pray the same prayers and we preach the same messages and we have these sayings that we say all the time, but we never, ever live them. We never yeah. live them. Yeah. You know, and up here like, man, uh, do we understand what it means to love like God loves? <laughs> because yeah. just think about all the stuff you do to him daily. Daily. You forgive him and then right after that, do the same thing in like <laughs> right. five minutes. Right. Yeah. You know, and so I'm just looking at people just like, you know, if I hurt your feelings, I want to do like the Bible and let you know, you know what, forgive me. None of that stuff matters. I want you to know that I love you. Like, it, forgive me. That that I'll make sure that that don't happen again. I'll try my best to, to be a better person, you know, because that's what matters to me more than for me to try to prove my point, you know. And so that was a big turnaround for me. You know, I'm always trying to hear people's heart first. I never was that way before. Yeah, I'm always wanting to hear their heart because <clears throat> sometimes yeah. our emotions talk for us, but don't know how to interpret anything that you feel. Yeah. And really, even though it's yeah. your emotions talking, I have to realize that, especially as being a leader in choir, especially in most churches anyway, are filled with most women than men anyway. And so I have to get beyond that whole emotional side of me and be able to relate and say, okay, this is how you're seeing it. I feel you now. So what I have to say is not more important than who you are to me. And so I want you to know that I understand that and I will make sure that I change myself so that you can be more comfortable with me, so that you can feel the love and so that you can be needed. And I never ever took the time out to care about people ever in life. <laughs> so wow. you know, that was something God used that you know, that, that shooting 
um, to really change me to make to to help develop me into a better person, and I'm still you know working on that uh, daily, you know. But that's the reason why I still have people in my camp that doubt me. That's why I still have people in my camp that don't care too much. That's why I still call people and check up on them, and I know they can care less. They probably blocked my number, <laughs> you you know, mm. uh, for personal reasons, but. That's the reason why, because I just love and I care. No, no situation will ever, ever be um, <clears throat> magnified over God's love wow. through people. Wow. That is such a poignant story. And I remember the first time you told it to me, I was like, I was riveted. <laughs> I was, yeah. I, you know, because you, you look at people and how they show up, but you don't always know all of what happened in order for them to show up like that right you just think oh they had this wonderful amazing easy you know carefree so to speak life or successful life you don't realize that there are stories and challenges and things that potentially were very traumatic that helped shape who they who the person that you see in front of you now and so I appreciate your being transparent with that because I do see that that's also how you show up as a leader, right? Like I see your care for people and I've, I've experienced your care for me because God knows whoo, I'm alive. I totally, I totally, totally, totally get it. I totally get it. And I totally take, I mean, yeah, I'm a lot. And so you've been very patient and very like loving and, you know, very caring and nurturing. And so I see, I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, God did that work in you because it does help to show. And for me personally, and particularly, like I, in a time in a particular season, when we first started working together, where I, I wasn't sure of God's love for me, like you showed it to me. Mm. Um, when I didn't see it from people that I thought I should have seen it from you showed it to me, right? And so mm-hmm. it reminded me, like there, one of my favorite scriptures is a little part, and I think it's Psalms 8 and 4, and it's like, you know, what is man that God is always mindful of them? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes you're, I'm like, well, you know, I'm, my life isn't that bad, and so why would God care, you know, to show up for me in this way? And he absolutely cared to show up for me in that way with bringing you into my life in a way that I needed, um, just mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, pastoral care, uh, leadership care, nurturing, having, I mean, you know, a man that didn't want anything from me and just wanted the best for me and really took the time, you and your brother, because that's my best, best friend, mm-hmm. took the time to like get to know me and to mm-hmm. be my friend. And that is probably one of the greatest gifts you've ever given to me personally was your gift of friendship, um, your gift of just counsel. And you, one day I remember, I I think you asked me how my day was going. I was like, not that great. And you said, well, you want to talk about it? And I was like, oh, okay. And I reluctantly shared. And I've never forgotten the story that you shared with me. And every time I feel that way, that I feel that kind of sense of overwhelm like I remember that story and that's been at least six eight months ago so to have people in your life and that's part of the reason why I wanted to have conversations like that with people that are very important to me is to for people to see that there are people that care that there are people that 
that that love and that nurture and that literally do life together because we don't always see eye to eye we don't always get along the greatest uh, I feel like though with you I've learned to be really be able to communicate how I feel and what my thoughts are and then to be able to move on from that and to not let it impact our friendship um, mm -hmm. and so just getting to know you has been amazing for me in that regard and to show me you know like they're they're good men out there and they're men that care and they're men that um you know will will protect you and protect your heart and not you know do anything intentionally to hurt it and mm -hmm. I think every woman platonic or rom romantic needs to hear about that and I know it's really not the purpose of this conversation but because you know we are of the opposite gender I feel like people are like so what what are y'all doing what what what's going on <laughs> this is my friend like and anyway, him and his brother one thing you can't do is talk about neither one of them oh man That's they have to talk me down off the ledge so much they be like hey, don't say nothing don't say nothing <laughs> that's why he's laughing because he knows it's true great. i think he had to tell me this week don't say nothing <laughs> just chill out <laughs> when we were uh at an event he was like i didn't even tell you this because i knew you were gonna go home i was like yeah. when did this happen when <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's so true uh, but i'm loyal to my to my people like that yes, i am are. like i especially when yeah. my experience Talk with them is different than you're trying to per, uh, perpetuate like no like then i didn't say they were perfect but they're not like that <laughs> so you can't do that mm -mm. nope for sure. for sure all right so my last question this is mm -hmm. going on for this is going to be like a stellar interview though i'm so excited. oh wow <laughs> <laughs> um what's next how will you expand or continue in your career or calling what's next for you what's next for c2 whatever you want to share it's fine for sure i think you know we what's next for C2 is continue to grow um, in numbers, um, can grow together spiritually um, and to continue to, you know, develop vocally um, in our sound, continue to do that. Um, and um, I'm hoping to get with some good backing, some good, a great record label and, and uh, and just make this thing happen all over the world, you know, get the support so that, you know, the main goal is to be able to share the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ all over the nation. And, um, and, and, and God is going to use us. <clears throat> we want to be ready and prepared so we never have to get ready. So, you know, that's the goal. And, and um, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm, another goal of mine is I'm working on a, a song right now that nobody really knows about but working on a song right now that i'm going to have uh we're going to do with an orchestra um and hopefully our denver symphony and um it's going to be something beautiful something nice and you know something that i just want to be able to touch god's people's hearts with uh, god with what god's given me so i'm working on that right now so as well so stay tuned yeah you're always busy i love it and your mind is always working. Like when we have meetings and stuff, I'm like, oh, what has he been thinking about today? <laughs> <laughs> and sure. when you call me, I was like, oh yeah, he's he's been thinking. 
and you know it every day, all day, all night. <laughs> I love it. Well, Terrell, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule because you're even out and about as we're doing this. Yes. So I really appreciate this. This has been amazing. So many nuggets. I can't wait to get back in and edit this and get it all together because so many nuggets in here that I think will just be encouraging to people. Um, sure. No matter where they are in their journey, whether they're starting something, whether they're a part of something. Because I think too, in addition to being good leaders and good starters of things, we also need to be good followers and good participants mm -hmm. and good congregants. And so for me, this even helps me be that much more invested in my work with C2 and in your vision and fulfilling that. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate your transparency. I, I appreciate your, your just vulnerability in, in sharing mm -hmm. some challenging situations. Uh, and I think that it's really gonna be helpful to a lot of people and I'm excited for everyone to hear this and I hope that they have been blessed by this interview and um, that it will just encourage them to keep on to find that thing that they can be a part of that is going to be something that they can enjoy not just the destination but the journey thank yeah. you so much thank you so much thank you for this opportunity man absolutely <laughs> absolutely all right friend well I know you gotta go and get ready for the rest of your day. But again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for doing this. I really thank appreciate you. you. And for everyone that's listening, leave your comments, go follow my friend, go follow C2 Mass Choir. Again, all of that will be listed in the show notes so you can follow us as we are traveling because we're getting ready by the, well, actually when this comes out, we'll be on the road. That's we'll right. be there. We will be taping for Dr. Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones. Exactly. So exciting. Like, can you believe? And I feel like we may have, we may have thrown his name out here at some at some point when we were talking in the planning stages or in the early days of C2. I, to see a year and two months later that we will be gracing that stage. You can't tell me God is not faithful. No. Nope. Cannot tell me. Accomplished a lot in such short time. Such a short amount of time. Yeah, we didn't really go into that, but we've been to uh, Missouri. We've been to Arizona, as well as all over, in, and including the rural parts of Colorado. Y'all went at the end of July, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> all over. Yeah, so it's been an amazing <clears throat> journey, and it's just the beginning. That's the cool part. <clears throat> it is just the beginning. The beginning. So, thank you so much again, and um, I will talk to you soon. Love you. Love you. Thank you. Right, take care. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with my friend, Pastor Terrell Martin of Terrell Martin and C2 Mass Choir. I, wasn't it good? It was good, wasn't it? It was good, right? Of course, you know, like one of my favorite parts and one of my favorite nuggets that he dropped was about get to know him, meaning God, so that you never leave him. And honestly, since we did that interview and we did it a while ago, that literally has just stuck with me. I want to be in such communion and have such a close relationship with God that no matter what circumstances happen, no matter what even other people try to uh, persuade me to believe or place doubt, that I will know him so personally that I would never leave him, right? Like, just like we know people that we love and care about, nobody can tell us anything about 
the people that we've done life with, that we've experienced life with, that in those private moments, we know the good, the bad, the ugly, like nobody can do that. And it's like the old saints used to say, and I say this to the, to this day, you can't make me doubt them. I know too much about them. So that has literally stuck with me over the last couple of weeks um, as I've been editing and listening to this episode that just keeps ringing in my mind and it's just so important that we really get to know him for ourselves through experience, through reading the word, through asking questions, through deep reflection, through putting our faith in him and our trust in him and seeing how he shows up for us every time. Anywho, again, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I need for you to do a couple of things. One, I need for you to make sure that you are following Pastor Terrell and the C2 Mass Choir on all social media. You can check the show notes page for that information. Click on the link and please follow us. Also, go to your favorite streaming platform and listen to our two singles, So Amazing and Shine On Me. You'll be blessed. You'll add them to your playlist. So Amazing is on my Mindful Morning playlist. So I listen to it every morning. Well, actually, both of them are. And um, Shine On Me is on several playlists anyway. So make sure that you do that as well. Pray for us. Pray for the the vision and for opportunities, God-sized opportunities for us to spread the good news that is the gospel of Jesus Christ in different arenas and areas. We have gigs coming up in different places, and we're just looking to spread God's love, his truth, his uh, word through song in different avenues. So just continue to pray in that regard as well. And then make sure you're following me in the Unbecoming Conversations podcast. If you have happened to stumble in this area because you are friends with Pastor Terrell or you're in C2 Mass Choir, I'd love to have you as a part of the podcast posse. I would greatly appreciate it. So you can do that as well. All the information is in the show notes. Oh yeah, one more thing I'd love for you to do. Share this episode with someone else. There are people that you know that may be starters and builders and creating something. They don't necessarily have to be recording artists, but I think a lot of people can be inspired by people who build and create and start from the ground up. So be sure to share this episode with someone else. All right. Until next time, I will see you on the next episode of the Unbecoming Conversations podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I love hearing from you and knowing that you're listening. If you're on Instagram and or Twitter, could you do me a favor and let me know you're listening and what your favorite takeaway or quote from the show was. Take a screenshot of the episode that you're listening to and tag me at Trendy Socialite and at Unbecoming Conversations on Instagram. I find it so helpful to know what resonates with you And it helps me to create more content just for you. Can't wait to connect with you online. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take care and be blessed.